Bot Talk Podcast. Welcome to our podcast. Um, today, our guest is Leonardo. And I would say you first um, start and tell a bit about you and about your startup. Sure. Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, I'm Leonardo Re, and um, I have founded Freispace, um, which is a software as a service solution for the film industry. So uh, in a bit more detail, it's basically for the planning of the whole post-production. So you can do a bit of resource planning, um, organize all your post-production in terms of where you are, when, and um, yeah, manage your staff as well. So it's a solution for that. And basically um, started because I worked in film and we were looking for a solution and everyone in the industry, at least in Germany, uses Excel. And we thought there must be a better solution. Yes, of course. Um, I mean, starting with Excel is always like good and you can do like a lot with Excel, but I mean, a tool for it um, is way easier actually for the, for the other people. Um, I mean, you just started like three months ago around. Yes. Um, so you're completely fresh in the startup area. Is it your first startup you founded and how was like the first three months for you actually? <laughs> um, it's the first startup I founded, yes, um, but um, I was a partner in a media advertising agency before, so I know a little bit of uh, how it is to, to be in a company, um, but it's a different experience, of course, to start up. And also, like, uh, we've been on the market for three months now, but the work obviously started much, much earlier. So it's been around a year now that I've been working on the idea, um, working on a first first version of the app. Um, so I have a bit of background in programming as well. So I started developing something to see if it's actually uh, feasible, if it makes sense, and on the, on the business plan as well. Mm -hmm. And all that took, yeah, pretty much seven, eight months. And then we started, um, yeah, thinking about starting a company. Okay, cool. So how did you actually see the point that like, your solution could be like a good, uh, like a good fit or will cover a need? Something? Did, did you make any experiments or tests or something like this? Y yes and no. <laughs> um, well, a lot of it to start with was personal experience. So I've been in two big companies, produced really big shows, and uh, in both companies we used um, yeah, Excel and in the other one shared calendars to organize things. And both of those solutions, I mean, they kind of work if you're a small company, but they don't work if you have like more than 20 staff, obviously. And especially if the person who organizes everything is, is away for a week on holidays or whatever, uh, then everything breaks down and usually it's, uh, well, anarchy breaks out and everyone just does whatever they want and they try to occupy any room that they find and uh, because there's no one in charge of it anymore. And also, um, especially with shared Excel files, the problem is that if someone else starts working on it, um, they usually destroy whatever you've, you've built in there. So it all uh, goes very messy very quickly. Um, so that was the, the background. So I thought, okay, I know roughly that there is a problem. And in both companies, we, we did look for solutions and we didn't really find anything. So we found, um, obviously, there's resource management and general uh, task management solutions out there. But the, the first big difference is that all those solutions, even Microsoft Project, is always based on hours. 
and we always calculate in, in days and weeks. I mean, if we book someone external as well, it's always a daily rate, not an hourly rate. So it doesn't make sense for us to, to think in hours. And if we have to book something and then calculate if it's, I don't know, 880 hours, then I, it doesn't mean anything to me. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing that I noticed that every tool out there was, yeah, not working in our environment. Um, I then started developing something and um, at some point I thought, okay, now I have to reach out to a few companies and see how they respond to it. And so I did a bit of research and I called up a lot of companies and it was not successful in a way. <laughs> As in the feedback, they, they had built their own solutions and weren't really ready to adopt anything new. Also, it was really hard to get in touch with the people, obviously, who were actually doing the planning. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, what I could show them was a really early version, which didn't um, cover all the needs they had. So it covered booking rooms, because that was what I experienced as the most um, disorganized part of it. But they all wanted to also organize staff, for example. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, it obviously makes sense, but um, it's another feature that's quite complex to build in. So I didn't have it at the beginning. And when I started yeah, asking people um, how they feel about the solution, they were kind of looking forward to something like it, but they weren't ready to commit to it in a way. And so I did the research and the research basically told me, don't do it in a way, because no one was really ready for it yeah. or ready to, you know, um, to invest in, in, in trying something out. And I don't know why, but in the end I thought, in my experience, the, the, the solution is needed. And so we did start a company nonetheless. Um, so we did research, but we didn't listen to it and we'll see if that works out fine or not. Um, but. Uh, as soon as we started the company and then we, um, we joined um, um, uh, a few organizations that organize members of um, production companies and, and things like that um, and we advertised in there, suddenly the companies started talking to us because they were actually looking for a solution. But I guess if there's a, an individual who you know, shows you something, it's not the same thing as if you discover something and then talk to a company. Yeah. And I guess that difference is something that we, we feel now. So we have quite a lot of um, contacts and leads in, in the industry now. And when I say leads, it's actually some of the biggest companies um, worldwide that do films that are actually interested in using our solution. Um, but at the same time, they're still waiting for staff management. <laughs> and it's something we've been working on ever since, obviously, and um, we're going to have something ready this month. So, yeah, we're making progress. And the good thing is that now we actually have leads that are actually waiting for features to be, um, yeah, to come out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a pretty honest uh, journey, actually, what you uh, told us yet. Um, also, like, kind of interesting that you first said that you're making, like, experiments, but on the one hand, there is a need, but on the other hand, it's not working out 100%. Um, I think this is also depending on the, like, on the branch and industry where you are, and also, let's, it's B2B. 
it's always like a yes. bit more complicated. Um, we also um, had the same experience that it's like taking take like two years till uh, our potential customers were at the point, okay, this is like a pretty good solution and we will need it. In the beginning, it was like kind of too early and it sounds like it's maybe similar that we have like, we were at the same point. So you had like a pretty good idea and they need like something to organize because like organizing stuff could take like so many time and like lots of people who are in involved in it. So I can imagine that it's also when they have like a bigger company that is like pretty useful, but they, it takes time till they see the point, like or feel the pain and see, okay, there's a solution. And now we are, um, we want to commit also, as you said, now first you have like the room booking and now you're also building the stuff because they have like different needs and they sometimes they just want to buy the solution and commit to you when you're like kind of, serious also when you now you have company and yeah. um, getting to this point that you can cover like more yeah like more different features and stuff for for actually your potential customers yeah i also think like i mean it's it's normal that for a bigger company and i i'm talking about companies with 40 and more staff mm -hmm. um, if if you introduce a new tool obviously everyone has to jump on board and it's something that obviously is for a company hard to introduce and if you introduce it you must be sure that you actually want it. So it totally makes sense to, to have reservations at the beginning especially if the tool only delivers maybe on, on one of the pain points that you have but at the same time you know that such a tool could solve more than one pain point. Yeah. And yeah, what we tried to solve at the beginning was literally just replacing the Excel spreadsheet with a better solution. And I mean, I mean, there's benefits all around because you have data that you can actually read out, you can analyze in a, in a really easy way. And, um, and you can share much more easily also with outsiders outside of your company, which you can't really do well with an Excel spreadsheet. But yeah, the introduction of just a new tool that solves the same thing is sometimes not enough to, to convince people. And I think they also, okay, we also have a problem organizing staff. And in, in the Excel spreadsheet, you can't read, I mean, you can put in the name of a person who works on the project, but it's not, it's not a real commitment for that person to actually work on the project. And it's, a, it's kind of a solution, but not a real one. So they also all have this, this pain point of organizing staff and even other resources as well. So I guess they, they saw something in it, but not enough to, yeah, to jump on board. And I think that's, that's the great thing when you are a fresh company that you can adapt things easily. Yeah. And especially if you don't have too many customers at the beginning, also you know, doing major changes to the database is something that you can kind of do on a weekend maybe, but as a big company, it's impossible. So that's why I guess also big changes in other products take ages, um, whereas we can just you know build new features and change the way the bookings work and stuff completely. Yes, of course. So it's also like for Botox, now then we just like build different features and see like which need our customers have and then like we came to the point where we have like a complete like product or like a good product which like fill all the needs and also i mean like excel sheets could get like super quick messy i could yes. imagine when you have like a super big project 
where you need to um, calculate the stuff and the rooms and all, all the things that not everyone is directly seeing which responsibilities they have or where should, should they go and all the stuff. And when you have like a nice uh, dashboard where everything is like super simple and organized, I could imagine that is like pretty useful for your customers because then you don't need like taking a half hour to study the Excel sheet and see what is actually going on. So people always like it easy and fast just to have all the information yeah. on like one second view actually. Yeah, and also like Excel spreadsheets, I mean, they're great because they're really flexible, mm -hmm. but they're great for one person to work on. And if, if you're working on a big spreadsheet uh, where you have like basically a daily calendar with then, I don't know, 20 rooms that you're organizing in it, sometimes when you're working on it, you're going to hide some cells just to make some room while you're editing. And if you forget to unhide those cells, it's suddenly information that other people don't see and especially people not trained to work in Excel don't even notice that something is missing. Yeah. And so there's, I mean, there's lots of potential for errors. And also I, in our background, I mean, in the film industry and I guess in every industry, you have people who do the organization, which are more technical usually. They, they you know, they don't, they're not scared of an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, if you do calculations and stuff all the time, it's fine. But then if you have a creative producer who, you know, usually works on content, on ideas, on visuals, um, you know, their favorite tool is probably Word, um, or even it's not their favorite tool, but it's their main tool to work in, they don't usually use Excel. So forcing them to open an Excel spreadsheet to look at it, uh, to find out where their own project is happening is something that doesn't really work. I mean, they're going to use it one or two times and then afterwards they're just going to call you up every time and ask where your editing is happening. And that's just wasted time. Yeah. And, and it, it's, I mean, it grows quickly because you know that a phone call for someone asking in which room their project is or if there's a space in that room uh, in two months' time, you know, it's not a phone call of 30 seconds. It could be, but it's never. Because then you have other questions, you talk about a project, and suddenly it's 15 minutes, half an hour, that's just gone. And it's gone for two people at the same time. So even financially, it doesn't really make sense when you think about it to use a tool that, you know, works great for a planner, but doesn't work great for creative people mm -hmm. who actually need the information that the planner, you know, plans. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good point because not everyone is really likely to Excel sheets, so I'm also working with Excel sheets, so I'm fine with it. But I could imagine when you're like more focusing on like a creative part of the company, that is not like your favorite type of working with actually. Um, so you said that you know at the moment like working with uh, um, building the stuff management. Yes. Is it like that you? like still always in contact with potential customers or leads and then always like every week maybe see okay this could be also nice to build or how do you actually um, like f follow up your development for your tool? Um, well we have a massive list of of a roadmap <laughs> um, so I think we have five pages of roadmap that are just ideas that you know, came to mind. And one of those ideas is actually also staff management because it, I mean, it was clear that it's something that at some point we're going to build. We just didn't know that we would be building it at the very beginning. Um, 
And yeah, there's, there's like multiple things. Um, for one, we are in touch with a lot of companies. So whatever their feedback is, I ask them how they work at the moment, how, how big the company is, what they are planning, things like that. And I, I make notes and I see how they like to work. And usually from that, you get, an, you get a sense of what they, they need. And also they tell you things that they need, but sometimes I believe there's other things that they don't tell you because it's obvious to them or they don't even know that they're actually, it's special um, to their company. So we're trying to, to grow that list of, of a roadmap in a way as well. And we always note down for each potential client how they kind of work and what could be interesting for them. So we can then compile a list and see uh, what features are actually um, interesting for more than one company. Because obviously it doesn't make sense to build one massive feature which only applies to one company if at the same time, uh, you know, I'm blocking development for, for maybe five other companies. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's in a way, yeah, we have this, this massive list. We also send that list to potential clients and ask them to rate it. So they put a plus or a minus next to features that they think are interesting to them or not. And, um, and then we analyze what is most important. But then also we, we roughly think about how complex are those changes and, um, and try to see what makes sense to build when. Because something like the staff management, I mean, it took about two months just because you have a lot of development on the database side of things, but also on how do you input the data and how do you make it work in a way that, you know, a creative person that doesn't usually use computers much is fine with using it and you know, instantly understands how to use it. So we think about those things as well. And sometimes it makes sense to push a big feature first, because if we do the change now, it's going to first help us sell, but it's also going to um, make it easier if we do the change now where we can, you know, push an update on the weekend <laughs> um, and, and not disrupt anything if, if we have 10 companies on board already. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of, I feel like it's more complex than it should be once if you have just started a company. But on the other hand, I mean, we, we are building a product now that hopefully is going to be used for the next 10 years at least. So if you think about that, you need to build it now in a way that in 10 years time, you're not blocked yourself out of developing any further features. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to think about that and trying to make it as flexible as possible. And sometimes also already changing the database to new structures, even though we don't need it now, but we know on the roadmap there's a feature that might need the changes later on. So it's a, yeah, it's a complex process in a way, but at the same time, it's easy as well because we can do whatever we want, which is nice. <laughs> And we can just decide, okay, sometimes we have a feature that is so simple and it's going to take a day or so to, to incorporate. Well, let's just do it because then we have it and we satisfy a part of, of something that the customer wants. So, yeah, it's a mixture of that. And also you need to, you know, I mean, you need to have fun doing it, right? So you need to have small successes on the way and sometimes build something and think, oh, this looks nice and this works nicely and uh, we've accomplished something. Yeah, pretty interesting. This was actually my also my next question, how you prioritize your like lots of needs and futures you want to build. Um, but it's like pretty smart that you're just sending like this um, rating list to the customers. So then you're getting like a good feeling and it's always easy then to see like to rank actually what is 
like more important and also to validate like what is the business impact and which could be like useful for more than one customers. Um, like pretty interesting how you actually push this further because I mean in the beginning you have just like one now one good uh, future you sell but there I could imagine that there are lots of things they would like to have because yes. at the moment we are still at the point that I get like getting lots of mails every week oh this would be nice and this would be nice but sometimes it's always just little ch changes but we always also need to see like what could be useful for more than one customers and don't to block your development with just building a product just around one big client because then you're also like pretty um, maybe too connected to one one yes. player yeah definitely and i mean it's uh, important that you like still be flexible with your own and also that you said like okay we need to think about like how we would like to inter uh, interact in 10 years especially like i don't i mean i could imagine that lots of startups who started they're just building together their product and don't think about it like how could it be in 10 years i'm going to block it myself how they how i'm going to build together my it infrastructure now but this is like really nice thought that you also see okay how can i combine it and build a good base for the next 10 years that is going to be working out for us yeah, I mean, at least that's the idea. In the end, you never know, right? Technology changes and it might be that in five years time we realize it was completely wrong. But at least, you know, I feel like if you try to think about those things as well, then the decision you make is maybe a little more informed. And I mean, it can always be wrong. I mean, that's the, the biggest part of business is just you have to take a decision. It's, I mean, it's the same thing. You have to start the company. You just have to start it or not. But if you don't do it, then you might regret it. And if you start it, I mean, what's the biggest thing that can happen? And I think the same is true with every micro decision we take along the way is, I mean, it could be a wrong decision, but at least we do something. We don't, you know, halt and, and, uh, and stand still. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, you learn from it. And then maybe you learn, okay, you've, you've taken the wrong one. And I feel like what I told you about prioritizing it sounded so complex when I told it, but it's, it's just small little decisions, right? It's like things where you look at it and you just say, oh, this is going to be a major, we have to change a lot of the infrastructure. Should we do it? Should we not do it? And then, well, if we are going to do it, then let's rather do this now. It's not, it's not like a big decision and we don't have like a massive Excel where we, yeah. where we do the pros and cons. It's more like we have this list and then we discuss kind of what makes sense and what makes sense when. It's not... Yeah, it sounded maybe more complex than it actually is, but yeah, okay. it's the thought process into it. Um, it's not that, that huge brainer actually, because you're like just in a workflow and saw so like how could I actually, yes. um, yeah, handle or see um, what would be better for for my company in this in this moment. And as you said, I mean, you now make a decision, but you never know if it's wrong or false. It's maybe it's also just showing in two years, uh, okay, this was not the best idea, but just like stuck and didn't change anything is, is always bad for, yeah, bad for <laughs> a startup, yeah. Then you can like make like a half of decisions are false, then it's always like, it's still well, you've better. Made, you've made half of the right decisions, right? Yes. So. <laughs> and you're still at a point where you can make decisions, whereas if you don't take, you know, if you don't make any decisions, then I think you have to fail because you're not doing anything. 
yeah, basically right. you're not working, right? You're just thinking about things but not actually doing anything. Yeah, and you have to be uh, like pretty fast as a startup to, yeah, to see that you're growing in the market. And this is also like the advantage of startups, as you said, you're pushing out a future over a weekend. I mean, this is um, this is always like also the fun in a startup that you're like super flexible and fast. Yeah, I kind of sometimes I wonder if if we are much faster than others because. I mean, I, I get the newsletters from quite a few big companies, which I would say are like, um, you know, do similar things to us, but for different markets. So I just follow to see, you know, what are they doing? It's, it's kind of competition, but not really. Mm -hmm. And um, when they send out a newsletter every two months and the new feature is that now you can dismiss a notification, I'm wondering what they're actually doing because I'm thinking, well, in two months, we've built a whole like infrastructure for planning staff I, I, and they're bigger than us. How, what are they doing in their time? Because dismissing a notification is a feature for me that shouldn't take longer than a day to develop. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because it, you know, sometimes it makes you feel good in a way because you think, oh, we have much, you know, we're faster, we are, we're doing things and we're moving forward much faster. But at the same time, sometimes you also wonder, I mean, are we doing something wrong? Because if it takes them two months to do like, maybe they did something else that they're not communicating, obviously, but it, it feels like, oh, something is, I mean, it, it's weird. It's weird mm -hmm. to see those, those different approaches to, to business. And I'm talking yeah. about other startups. I'm not talking about... Okay, not about yeah. bigger companies. No, no. Because normally like bigger companies are always like slower because they're like managing more themselves than like... Yeah, you know, and I mean, I mean, if you have thousands of customers, uh, obviously, it's going to be more complex to change something. I mean, that's that's for sure. But yeah. But I mean, this is like a pretty good uh, ability of you guys that you're like uh, that fast. I mean, this could be also like good, like pretty good for your growth in the future, actually, because like be fast is the is key in a startup, actually. Maybe yeah. I think we're just in a way we're just makers um, mm -hmm. and and we want to build stuff and have fun while we're doing it. And I guess. Um, right now, we are all like that, and I guess it's it's not good as well because we need we need different personas in the company as well, and we need to have different ways of thinking as well. But at the moment, that's that's uh, yeah how we are built, and it, yeah, obviously, we are moving fast, M maybe too fast. I don't know. We'll see. Yes, <laughs> of course. Um, I think like a lot of um, people always have like nice ideas actually. So, um, but like. The less people are always like brave enough to start actually then uh, a startup or like following their idea. Like how was it for you just to take, um, yeah, just to be brave and say, okay, now I'm starting my startup. Was it like hard for you or how do you actually motivate yourself to, to now go the step and in this like kind of risky area? Um, well... I always thought, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, the worst thing is it doesn't work out. You've learned a lot. You've met new people. You've done something. You failed. But I mean, what does it mean? It just means, well, probably you've lost a bit of time and a bit of money. But in, in the same process, you've, you've done stuff and you've learned stuff. And I, and I always thought, you know, if, if I need to find a job, I mean, I've had a job before, so there's nothing holding me back from finding a new job if I say, okay, 
the startup world is not mine and I want to just be a regular employee, which is, you know, why not? Um, so I don't think there's much to lose in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the biggest thing. If, if you don't do it, then you might regret it. If you do it and you fail, then at least you can always say, oh, I tried it. Yes. Um, my idea didn't work or maybe the execution didn't work or I didn't meet the right people or whatever happened. It doesn't matter. But you've learned for yourself that you're capable of actually starting something, which a lot of people are not, you know, and, and you've just, yeah try to, to fulfill a dream. And not all dreams are meant to come true. I mean, it's normal. And for some people, dreams always come true in a loop. So I, I guess it's a bit of a mindset and also just, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, what's the worst that can happen? Especially in Germany, I feel like we're very protected that, you know, if, if you fail, you kind of have a net. Yes. And I mean, usually, you, when you start, you, you develop your idea because you've been in an environment which pushed something, like some development. If it's university or you've been in another company or something. So you already have experience and I guess you have a job waiting for you somewhere if you want it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, why not start a startup and see how it is? And in the worst, I mean, maybe, maybe you make the discovery that the world, the startup world, which is bizarre as well in a way, is not yours and that's fine and that's a good discovery at least you're not going to regret something yes i think this is like a pretty good advice for everyone who is gonna like think about it to start a startup that i yeah, mean just do it 